This week, we're finishing up Serial Killer September with the story of BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill, which was the signature that Dennis Rader left uh, in his letters and other communications with Wichita, Kansas media. Um, he terrorized the city for decades um, with his random murders, and we're going to look at it all today on Our Weird World. Our Weird World. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson. And uh, yeah, we, we made it through Serial Killer September. Um, last week's episode, that was, a, that was a big one. That was a heavy one. Uh, this week, not necessarily as heavy, um, although it's still awful, um, still very disturbing and scary. But, uh, you know, this is this is one of the more well-known serial killers in the United States. Uh, the story of the BTK, Dennis Rader. And uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. Dennis Rader was born on March 9, 1945, in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, his family moved to Wichita, you know, shortly thereafter, where, I mean, he was, at least in everyone's eyes, a really normal kid. But something really weird happened uh, when he started hitting puberty. Um, for starters, he started dreaming of tying girls up and just doing whatever he wanted with them, which, I mean, that could plausibly be written off as just being a hormonal teenager taking, you know, probably a somewhat aggressive interest in sexuality, but it didn't stop there. Um, Dennis would purposely get himself into trouble just so his mother would spank him because it really turned him on. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, uh, but I was never a fan of getting spanked, um, you know, because my parents were much bigger than me and they, you know, in my mind, they could kill me if they wanted. But Dennis, Dennis was like, yeah, mama, yeah, mama, give it to me. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That was weird. Um, but yeah, he, uh, on top of that, Dennis also visited his grandparents' farm so he could watch chickens get slaughtered. You know, just, he, he just enjoyed seeing that happen. Uh, he even started hanging and killing neighborhood animals and, you know, that the, the, the killing of the neighborhood animals and just enjoying watching chickens get slaughtered. There's no logical explanation for that. Um, as Dennis transitioned from high school to college, his fantasies about tying people up kept growing, but he could never quite get to that point in a relationship where he actually got close enough to someone where he could get permission to get rough. Instead, he just settled for breaking into people's homes and stealing their underwear. In 1966, uh, Dennis joined the Air Force and went down to Alabama. Over the next four years, he made, you know, all the sexes with the local prostitutes and persistently offered to pay them extra to let him tie him up. And, you know, maybe that worked sometimes, you know, let him get his fantasies out. But um, by the time he was discharged from active duty in 1970, uh, he had received an Air Force Good Conduct Medal, the Small Arms Expert Marksman's, or mark, blah, 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 the Small Arms Expert Marksmanship Ribbon, and the National Defense Service Medal. And, you know, those are the sorts of skills that you definitely want the more mentally unstable population to have. 
you know, when they're about to go out and start murdering people. Um, after he was discharged, Dennis moved back to Wichita and enrolled at Butler Community College. One day he reconnected with a former high school friend of his named Paula Dietz. And she was one of the girls that Dennis had fantasized about tying up and raping in high school. But now things were different and the two actually ended up getting married and raising a family. Over the next three years, uh, Dennis worked several different jobs, including at Cessna, you know, who you know is one of the bigger airplane manufacturers. But when the oil crisis hit, uh, he was let go. But instead of trying to find another job, Dennis somehow managed to kind of trick Paula, and he just just started driving around neighborhoods and stalking people. One family in particular, uh, the Oteros had just moved to Wichita from New Jersey and they immediately caught Dennis's eye and he stalked them for weeks, learning every little detail he could about Joe and Julie and their five kids. Uh, One child in particular, 11 year old Josie uh, definitely caught his eye and he decided that he had to have her. And at this point, you know, his fantasies are running wild and he can no longer just keep them in his head. Like he's got to act on them. So on uh, January 15th, 1974, Dennis walked onto the Otero's property, cut the phone lines, and then just Kool-Aid manned himself through the back door. And he was expecting the parents to be gone at work based on his previous reconnaissance, but he was shocked to find Joe Otero, who was a former champion boxer, by the way, just sitting in the kitchen thinking like his crazy brother-in-law was pulling some horrifying prank on him. But... Dennis acted quickly and he just started screaming and ordered everyone to go lie down in the living room. And Dennis was able to convince the entire family, like the entire family's there, I think at this point, and maybe like one or the one or two of the kids is off at school, but he's able to convince the Oteros that, you know, to just lie still long enough to tie them up by acting like he was just a crazed criminal on the run from the cops. And once he had tied everyone up, he strangled both parents to death. Um, He took Joey Otero, the nine-year-old, and tied a bag over his head and watched him suffocate. He then turned to Josie and took her down to the basement and hanged her from a pipe. But, you know, even though she was hanging from a pipe, like, he wasn't done. He ripped her clothes off and did a little five-finger shuffle onto her leg. And when investigators found their body, this is insane they found so much semen on the floor the walls and Josie's body that they wholly believed that at least two people had murdered her like it was that much to just like the fact that it was on the walls and like I like I feel kind of bad for laughing but like just walking just sprayed all over the place like I realize like a small girl has just been murdered here and that's horrible but something just about the visual it's a a disgusting visual but just all over the walls and all over the floor and the cops are just like no that was at least two like it would take at least two guys to get that much out three even maybe four you know i don't know but definitely not not one guy could do this you know no way anyway sorry I, I'm getting really bad about going off on these tangents and it's only going to get worse over time. I can see it coming. Um, anyway, three months later, after the Oteros had been murdered, uh, Dennis broke into 21 year old Catherine Bright's home and hid inside her bedroom. Uh, she arrived home a short time later with her 19 year old brother named Kevin. Um, Dennis had been stalking Catherine, started stalking Catherine not long after he had murdered the Oteros, but he didn't expect Kevin to be with her. 
when she got home, but still, it didn't matter. Um, Dennis jumped out of the bedroom, pointed a gun at Catherine and her brother, and using the same plot line of just being a crazed criminal on the run, forced both of them into the bathroom. Um, however, Dennis hadn't bothered to bring his own rope to tie them up, so he raided Catherine's bedroom and brought an assortment of clothing items back. He forced Kevin to tie up his sister, and then Dennis, in turn, tied up Kevin. But Kevin just, he wasn't having any of it. He easily ripped himself out of the pantyhose restraints on his legs and started running towards Dennis. And as Kevin charged at him, Dennis pulled out his pistol and shot Kevin right in the face. And Kevin, at that point, dropped to the floor in a pool of blood. Um, and like any good murderer, Dennis kind of kicked Kevin's limp body just to make sure he was dead. Um, you know, because that's, I guess that's what they teach in the military, but shockingly, Kevin jumped up from the floor, broke out of the bindings on his wrists and then grabbed Dennis's gun. And the two started wrestling over it before Dennis ultimately gained control and shot Kevin in the face again. And this time, sure. Like Kevin's got to be dead. Like you don't get shot in the face twice and live. So Dennis went back in to finish off Catherine, but Catherine put up a fight too. And she wrestled herself free from the restraints as Dennis just beat and stabbed her over 11 times. Uh, And in the midst of his stabbing, Dennis heard a noise and he ran out to the living room and saw the open front door, which was odd because he had definitely waited for Catherine to close the door before he jumped out and attacked them. And so he ran out into the street and saw Kevin two bullet holes in his face, just running up the street to get help. Um, back inside, you know, Catherine, you know, at that point, you know, Dennis ran away and Catherine unfortunately died from her wounds. Um, but Kevin ended up living, which is insane. And he gave police a description of the attacker. Uh, unfortunately though, police weren't able to do much since the physical description of Dennis matched practically every guy in Wichita at the time. You know, he was balding, aviator glasses, bad facial hair, just a perpetual frown from living in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, there was nothing the police could do, but Dennis didn't know that he quickly left the scene, went to his parents' house, cleaned up and returned home to his own family where he acted as if nothing had happened. And he kind of laid low for a while, you know, after those two murders, he began reading the Wichita Eagle every day for references to his crimes. And eventually he started to realize that no one knew who it was. And that made him happy. However, three men who were already in prison for different crimes started taking credit for the murders and that pissed him off. Um, Dennis called Don Granger, a columnist for the paper, and told him that there was a letter hidden in the book in the public library that detailed the Otero murders. And in it, he described the scene in perfect detail. He, he, and he also signed the letter BTK, which stands for Bind, Torture, Kill, which was his signature method of murder. And at that point, you know, because of all the detail, like, people realized, like, okay, the guy's in prison, couldn't have done that because, you know, there was no way they could have gotten out and gone to the library to write that letter. So everyone knew that the killer was still on the loose. And that made Dennis happy again. Um, After uh, he wrote that letter, Dennis found a job at ADT, which is, you know, like the biggest home security company in the country. And people in Wichita had started really freaking out over the violent murders and had begun signing up for security service just in droves. And this worked out perfectly for Dennis, who was able to stalk his victims by installing their own security systems. All right. Look, not going to lie. I'm doing pretty good in life. I have a security system. I got security system money guys. And, um, I, I thought about this. I was watching the guy install my security system and I was just like, you, you, ooh, buddy, you better not be 
rigging it so that you can then turn around and stalk me at night or when I'm gone or, you know, break into my house and then jump out of the bathroom and try to murder. Cause he was, he was bigger than me. He could probably take me like, and I'm a pretty big dude, but he could probably have taken me if he wanted and, and killed me. But you know, anyway, um, by 1977, Dennis was getting pretty cocky. After two more murders, he called the Wichita police from a payphone and told them where they would find his most recent victim, Nancy Fox, uh, and that she was dead in her bedroom. Police recorded the call, and the entire conversation was replayed over and over from the, in the Wichita media for the next few days, but somehow no one was able to recognize Dennis's voice over the phone. The next year, Dennis sent another letter to the Wichita Eagle describing the Otero murders as well as three other murders that he had committed. Um, after that letter was published, women throughout Wichita began checking their phones every day to make sure the lines hadn't been cut, and more and more people began signing up for ADT, which meant more work for Dennis. Uh, in April 1979, Dennis was preparing to graduate from Wichita State University when he broke into 63-year-old Anna Williams' house. Uh, Anna had recently lost her husband, which Dennis knew quite well considering he'd been stalking her for several weeks at this point. And Dennis waited inside her house for several hours, but this time Anna never showed up. So two months later, Dennis mailed Anna a package with a creepy poem titled, Oh Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? And you can prob- I think you can find this poem online somewhere. Um, the package also included an assortment of items he had stolen from her house and Anna moved out of town, like just left town shortly thereafter, which smart. This is what you do in these stories. Anna is a smart person. Be an Anna in these stories. Don't, you know, don't be dumb. Um, the failed attempt, however, somehow convinced Dennis to stop killing for six years. Um, in 1985, though, he restarted and had killed three more people by 1991. Uh, even though all three people had been bound and tortured, which people didn't believe, you know, you know, even though they had been bound and tortured and killed like the BTK style, for some reason, people in Wichita didn't believe that BTK had started killing again. But Dennis was okay with that. You know, it didn't bother him as much this time. And so after the second round of murders, he decided to take another break and actually spent his free time volunteering at his local church and leading a Cub Scout troop. You know, like, what? <laughs> like, hey, Jimmy, here's your new Cub Scout leader. Hey, Jimmy, my name's Dennis. I'm definitely not a murderer. I'm going to teach you how to make a fire with sticks or whatever Cub Scouts do. I don't know, dude. Um, even more, by now, Dennis had also raised two kids, Brian and Carrie. Uh, he left his job at ADT and began working as an animal control officer, you know, kind of maybe feeding into some of those early childhood fantasies um, or, you know, going reverting back to, you know, his actions as a child. And he quickly began, gained a reputation for being overly strict and did not hesitate to put animals down, even if they hadn't actually done anything wrong. But, you know, and obviously that shouldn't surprise you considering, you know, he was, a you know, we both know he was a fan of killing things at this point. Um, in 2004, which crazy how like 2004, I know it was like 16 years ago at this point, but it still feels so recent to me. Um, in 2004, though, the Wichita Eagle ran a story on the 30th anniversary of the Otero murders. And the story highlighted a local attorney named Robert Beatty, who was publishing a book about BTK. And this really made Dennis angry because he thought he should be the only person telling the BTK story, not some hack lawyer who was only going off of evidence that police had collected from each crime scene. He immediately wrote another letter, uh, attached photographs of one of his victims and then sent it to the paper. 
And the people of Wichita, upon hearing the fact that BTK was in fact still out there and walking among them, terrified everybody. And that finally made Dennis happy again. Uh, Four months later, Dennis sent another letter to the ABC affiliate in Wichita. And this time he copied uh, the letter writing method of the Zodiac Killer, who was a popular Northern California killer in the 60s and 70s. I'm sure you've seen it everywhere. Obviously, Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer, if you remember that dumb conspiracy. Um, And so he did this by sending a coded message full of letter and number columns. And police eventually were able to connect the letter to BTK, but they still had no idea who BTK actually was. Uh, Dennis then sent eight more letters and packages to various places in Wichita over the next year. And at this point, like he had really just stopped killing people and replaced the joy he received from murdering people with just passively aggressively scaring just the living bejesus out of everybody with his letters and packages. But on February 16th, 2005, Dennis finally slipped up. Uh, It began with a letter and a purple floppy disk, believe it or not, that Dennis sent to a television station. Uh, When police popped the disc into their computer, they found files belonging to Dennis and the Christ Lutheran Church, despite Dennis thinking he had deleted everything. Um, After a quick search, police learned that Dennis was the president of the church, and when they drove by his house, they noted a black Jeep Cherokee that that had been spotted by surveillance cameras near the site of one of Dennis's cryptic letter drops. Police quickly obtained a subpoena to get DNA evidence from his daughter's recent gynecological exam, which is crazy that they can do that. Uh, They matched her DNA to semen samples taken from several of the murder scenes because, you know, Dennis had a habit of, you know, petting his noodle and dispensing its contents over dead bodies. Um, You know, that that whole Otero thing was not just a one time thing like he was doing that with everybody. Um, Nine days later. Uh, Police surrounded Dennis as he drove out to get lunch. And so after terrorizing Wichita for 30 years, uh, BTK had finally gotten caught. And he was sentenced to uh, 10 consecutive life sentences with a minimum sentence of 175 years. And that ends this story. There we go. We made it uh, through September, serial killer September. Um, I'm so burned out right now. Um, that's it. Yeah. Uh, BTK, Dennis Rader, um, you know, just just a, just a pretty, pretty run of the mill serial killer, honestly, based on all of the research I've done, you know, had a weird childhood. Something went wrong in his brain. Uh, very violent and uh, ended up acting it out. Great great move on his part to find a loophole in the system uh, by installing people's own security system so then he could then just stalk them even more. Uh, fantastic move on his part. Uh, but other than that, let's uh, let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? And number one, hey, parents, um, look, if your kid develops a fervent passion for seeing animals get slaughtered, you should you should keep an eye on that. Probably take some proactive measures to get them into therapy, um, get them medicated or something, because there's no way that that ends well. All right. Uh, Number two. Uh, 
if you have a security system in your house right now, you're probably super paranoid that the person who installed it knows way more about you than you are comfortable with. Heck, they may even be in your bathroom right now, you know, or your crawl space or your attic, just, just hanging out, listening to you, watching you sleep, you know, who knows? BTK. <laughs> anyway, uh, and uh, number three, if you're going to use uh, floppy disks, or I guess blank CDs now, or thumb drives, probably thumb drives, uh, to, you know, send super cryptic, uh, you know, messages to police about how you've murdered people, make sure that you totally delete all the other files and all the other encrypted information, or just go out and buy a blank flash drive. Don't steal one from the church, you dummy. Next week on Our Weird World, we are jumping into October, which means Halloween, which means it is going to be four weeks of spooky things. Yay! Woo! I don't know, man. Um, next week, we're going to talk about witches, uh, a bunch of stories uh, witches. We're going to cover uh, Malleus Maleficarum, uh, Margaret Matson, George Burroughs, Giles Corey. Susanna Martin and the Bell Witch uh, from Tennessee. It's going to be fun. It's going to be spooky. Lots of good scary stories to get you in the mood for Halloween. So thank you all for listening. Tell all your friends and keep it weird. 